And if you look globally, you see the upticks that, you know, maybe the viruses were down and people were getting better. They started to lift, lift the bin and started lifting different things. And now look, they're back in the same spot. the opportunity to be able to connect virtually. I know it's it's very different than when we were before, but the option to be able to speak to my grandmother on FaceTime every day or multiple times a day, I think has saved me. What up, world? Yeah, welcome to episode 110 of Ameripod, but episode two a apocalypse. Three. Three. Apocalypse. Yes. I can't even keep track. We're just so prolific. I know. <laughs> just content on content on content. Rolling it out. I know. It's amazing. Um, I am your guardrails tonight um, to our perhaps peril. Um, Tyler Grillo in here for Blake Mannion. And uh, we're excited to have our guest tonight, uh, Jordan Sowers, on with us, who works in the Denver mayor office. And uh, how you doing, Jordan? Yeah, good. Thanks for having me. So glad you're here. And it's uh, us and and Mr. John Kelly. Um, also here in, uh, I'm assuming both of you are in Denver. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm up in Westminster, but it's close enough. <laughs> Westminster, I'm sorry. My mayor. <laughs> hey, on the last one, you guys wanted to be, or two episodes ago, you were all a bunch of assholes and told, said that I lived in like Marin County. So, you know what? Westminster, <laughs> Denver, whatever, close enough. Yeah, I think yeah. I think I might Denver County. I think I might have <laughs> dropped that. I think I might have dropped that on the listeners, Tyler. Um, yeah. But yeah, we, we don't have uh, Blake and John here tonight. They're off solving other worldly problems. Um, but. They'll be back for future episodes. That's right. Unless you don't want them, leave a comment if you hate them, and then we'll never invite them back. Exactly. Um, <laughs> we'll get the scissors, scissors out. out. Cut, cut, cut. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yes, I'm out here in Oakland, California. Set the record straight, and we are recording this episode at 6.20 p.m. Mountain Time on frequent, what is it, April 15th, 2020, which was supposed to be tax day, but now it doesn't really matter because... Of what we're here to talk, partially what we're here to talk about, which is COVID nineteen. Um, so yeah, Jordan, <laughs> glad to have you on. And uh, as a way of throwing it over to you, Kelly, I know you, you two know each other, so you want to just say how you know each other. Sure. Yeah, uh, listeners, Jordan and I attended the University of Denver together, um, and both got master's degrees uh, in public policy. Worked together uh, in that program. So as uh, great, great couple of years. Uh, and, you know, Jordan has done some great stuff in the Denver community uh, and the North Glen community, which is just north of Denver. Uh, and so yeah. I think I'm going to toss it over to let her talk a little bit about uh, who she is uh, and what she does for work and in the community. And uh, we'll start from there. Yeah, no, thanks for having me. Um, you, like Kelly said, University of Denver grad, undergrad, and then went in uh, pursued my master's there. Um, we were served in a great cohort, the Fab Five. Go Pios. Yeah, for sure. It was a great few years. I served as councilwoman in this great city of North Glen for four years, um, which was a great honor of my life. I now work in the Denver mayor's office as his director of regional affairs, which is about 41 municipalities across the front range and about 15 affiliations, everything from the RTD to the Denver school board. Um, I really enjoy that work and it's really great to work for a great leader there in Denver. Um, so yeah. And now through the pandemic, it's been a little bit of everything. 
Yeah, I can I can imagine. Um, and just uh, just so we're clear, um, I think I seem to remember. Were you the youngest person ever elected? Yeah, and when I was twenty three years old, I was elected, uh, seated at twenty three in Northland. So definitely the youngest in uh, Northland's city history and in the state history as well. Uh, there's a few wow. young ones coming up now, but at that time, yeah, it was crazy. Right after undergrad. Man, accomplished more than any person in this pod. Ooh, they were <laughs> Not true. <laughs> <laughs> more than I've accomplished to this day. Shit. <laughs> yeah. fine. But maybe you can jump in a little bit more about what that uh, regional affairs kind of looks like in terms of working with the uh, different municipalities and the different organizations along the front range. Yeah, no, totally. So it's about 41 municipalities across the Front Range. So that means 41 mayors, um, which is, it's been very fun. They've become great friends of mine. We chat very often in various uh, meetings, but now through the pandemic, we've really found ourselves to have these regional calls and these conversations about what we've been going through in our collective municipalities, but how we can have that regional support. As you know, various issues are not just in your siloed city box. There are regional issues, issues much like homelessness, um, economic security and opportunity, um, and various others. So it's it's very good. We run, we have various conversations, but we find those bridges of support or collaboration to be able to assist each other. As you know, I think Denver and Colorado Springs are the only strong mayor presence form of government. All others have a strong city manager form of government, which works very different um, in how, I guess, things are passed and what they need to be able to have full body support within their municipality, as well as Denver is a city and county um, and a various other municipalities across the region are, are siloed as a city. And then we have counties as well. So we work with county commissioners. Yeah, Colorado's got a pretty strong home rule type of government across all of its municipalities. Yeah. Um, it's one of the things that I've been seeing people talk about when they question whether or not Governor Polis really has power to enact anything right during this crisis. And some people have looked at him and go, I don't know why he isn't trying to do more. And I think part of that is because such a strong home rule happens where really it's written in the Constitution that most municipalities have their own power to make their own decisions uh, separate from governor power. Yeah, totally. And you, and you see that fine um, in regard to that one issue in particular is the stay-at-home order, which we enacted. Uh, Denver moved forward with that first before the governor um, did that a few days later. But definitely it was rallying that regional support to say, you know, we need this, we want this, let's jump on it. And then after we had various municipalities and counties jump on board, then the, then the governor had enacted it statewide. So totally. Yeah. Have uh, have you been doing anything else uh, with the with the city and the county in terms of providing support on the ground or yeah with the mayor on other stuff? Yeah, you know that's the thing is the mayor did a really great call to action in requesting volunteers early on in this pandemic, and we jumped you know as as the person I am I jumped forward with trying to find those opportunities. So we served in the office of emergency manage in office of emergency management in the basement where we where I served in that intergovernmental role to really assist um, in that effort. But of course, you know, that wasn't that wasn't enough. And I'm not a uh, sit at home type of person. So I really took to the streets to enforce the stay at home order once once we enacted that. So I've been kind of patrolling the area and making sure people are adhering to um, the order. And if not having those verbal conversations to make sure that they understand what 
what the stay-at-home order is and that they follow. In addition to that, I've been serving with a great organization called We Don't Waste. So I've had two major pop-up shops where we've served over a thousand families, um, which has been very fun. And it's that kind of giving effort or that touching point of the community. There's There's a great need when it comes to food in our community. So I've been doing that. Um, in addition to, there was a situation in which we only had enough to serve. I forgot how many families, but we had to do a cutoff and we had to turn families away. And for me, I don't turn families away when it comes to food. So I gave out my business card, kind of reactionary, and they started calling me personally. So then I went to the warehouse, made the food baskets, and then started delivering them on my own time. Um, And then last, yeah. yeah, And then lastly, we've been working with individuals who are experiencing homelessness. So we set up the auxiliary shelter for the men's shelter that sleeps over 360 um, men. And now we're working to set up the women's shelter that should be up and running full steam ahead by Monday. Wow. Wow. I mean, that's, that's an incredible amount of beds to pull together so quickly. Yes. And and I I did have a question about that, but, but I did want to just backtrack for a second and, uh, I could see you marching up and down streets, like whistling people <laughs> and like blowing whistles and stuff. Uh, yeah. For our listeners, Jordan's got a very loud personality and she's, very <laughs> she's doing something. So I could see you being totally. very good at that. You know, it's important. Yeah, it is important. Have you, what have you found po- folks uh, like reception to be like? You know, I think it's, I think it really falls in that lack of understanding where we are and what, what exactly six feet is and what is social distancing and do we need PPE and I don't have it and where do I get it? Um, But you know, a lot of people are hurting by this and small businesses really rely on day-to-day operations to stay afloat. So it's really hard to go in there and say, you know, hey, barbershop, I know that you rely on this money to feed your family and to keep your business running and you can't perform anything. What does this look like? So we really try to go out and find innovative solutions to make sure that they still keep working and that they're safe. But, you know, and I say this all the time is as much as you want to be out, I do, too. Uh, And if we until we start to understand this and stay at home and to really listen and to save lives, we won't get out. Um, It's kind of been my thing. And, you know, people are receptive, but big corporations, much like Hobby Lobby and Home Depot, and it's just been different conversations. You know, Home Depot is very different that we give those six feet requirements, but Hobby Lobby should is not essential and should have been closed. That you know, there was kind of that little tiff here in Denver. Yeah, yeah, that was that was an interesting one yeah. debate over what's essential and not essential. Um, exactly. I, I mean, it it was an interesting argument that Hobby Lobby was making that you know, if they're creating masks and people are buying totally. stuff to create masks, then technically they are an essential business. Right. So that there was a little seed of truth there, but overall, they're not really an essential business, in my opinion. I mean, it's yeah, it's hard. You know, it's that it's keeping if you want to keep people in their home, what does that look like? And if you give them crafts or coloring books or sewing opportunity, then maybe you're more inclined to stay home than you are to be out in the parks playing on playgrounds. I mean, yeah, I wasn't one to make judgments on that. Very good point. It's a very good point. Um, actually, I, and I wanted to also ask you uh, when you were when you were referring to both the uh, nonprofit that was feeding families uh, as well as working towards opening up uh, shelters for homeless people. Yeah. Um, part of what we try to do in this podcast is support local action. Is there information you can give our listeners about how they might be able to get involved in some of that? Yeah, totally. I mean, we don't. The organization that we served with is called We Don't Waste, and they have their own website and opportunities to volunteer. Uh, Great warehouse. They do great partnership with our various communities and would really welcome volunteers. A lot of their food comes from obviously 
product that would have been headed for waste. And when a lot of the businesses had closed, we took a lot of the food that was about to be wasted that they started to serve the community. So that's been great. The other is um, when it comes to individuals who are experiencing homelessness, if you visit denvergov.org, there's a great volunteer tab that during this time, it's been really helpful to have volunteers and individuals who are willing to put themselves out there. As you know, this is um, a time that if you're young, on the younger end of the spectrum and and able-bodied to be able to assist, we would love to have you. But also that we're very cautious about individuals who are at that higher bracket or have pre-existing conditions that we don't want you out there um, because, you know, we don't want you as more susceptible to COVID. Right. Yeah. I think, I think across, yeah. across everything, we're trying to work to stop the spread and, and yes. flatten the curve, obviously. And why, and that's why it's so important to look at all the different aspects in terms of different people and different groups staying home, whether it's, you know, um, parents, like you mentioned before, who may want to go outside with their kids, but can't necessarily get there, or, totally. you know, older people that feel isolated and alone. Uh, maybe they need a little more interaction and they're looking for something like that, but it's probably not the best for them to get out and volunteer on something like that. Exactly. So you do your part by staying home. You save lives by staying home. Yeah. What's yeah. your thought? Because I, so for example, out here in the Bay, uh, we've been sheltering so crazy, for a minute. I know. Yeah. Yeah. And, and my, and my wife and I have been sheltering even a little longer before the, the ordinances went into effect. So one thing that uh, we've been doing is there was a, we just saw in our community, there were some folks who were out of work and they started a grocery delivery service because they were out of work and also Instacart um, is striking. Yeah. And so we wanted to support the workers there. So we, we use them and, and I ended up having a conversation with the person who ended up delivering our groceries, which was just like this conversation of like, well, you know, there's this tension for me between like sheltering and like you, the person delivering as like a frontline worker and me wanting like if you're out of work, me wanting to support you. And at the same time, knowing that you doing that work is putting you in more risk of, you know, and so we had this back and forth and kind of landed. She was like, you know, listen, I'm out of work. I needed work. You know, this seems if you can afford it, this seems like a good exchange. But I'm curious on like where you come in that in that conversation around like where are the parts where we can, you know, either step up and volunteer and where are the and, and that tension of well, at the same time, are we putting ourselves at risk in being out there? Yeah, no, I mean, I think the risk is great. Um, I would I'd be remiss not to mention that. I mean, you put yourself in situations where individuals who have symptoms or, you know, are maybe asymptomatic in spaces that they have not had an opportunity to social distance themselves and they're in confined spaces. And now that we're trying to separate them and make sure we have these shelters that they give them that space. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I'm not... I'll be honest, I'm not the best at coming home and taking off all of my clothes and jumping in the shower right away. Don't tell my grandmother because she's really adamant about that. Um, <laughs> yeah, but you know, I I tell myself that I, you know, I put myself out there. I'm really, I feel as though I'm healthy on day to day. And if and if not me, who? And it, I, you know, it's my touch point. It's my touch point to the community and making sure that I give back at any which point and until, until I'm unable to, that I'm willing to do so. Um, but it is, I mean, like you said, I think, you know, PPE is important and we want to make sure that we're not taking away from our, um, healthcare workers and what does that look like? And are these masks really saving us? And are I washing my hands enough? Um, I don't know. I just think, you know, I have the heart to do it and I'm willing to do it at any cost. Yeah, right on. Yeah. That's great. And I mean, since 
uh, since you are so close to it, we try not to be in the business of uh, predicting things on this podcast because we've yeah, totally. gotten every prediction wrong that we've ever made. <laughs> <laughs> so Change we try not to do them too often. But uh, yeah. what, how, do you, how do you think the next uh, couple weeks to month or so is going to go? Um, yeah. You know, I think it's kind of, I think it's still up in the air given a lot of the stats that we're getting in Colorado and we don't know exactly how many are infected currently. We don't know if there's going to be more deaths or less deaths in the upcoming weeks. So just wanted to gauge what, what you thought the temperature was in, in the Denver area at least. Yeah. You know, I think the mayor understands what Denver looks like and um, has really ex- has really stood down on his option to keep the stay-at-home order until the 30th when the governor only had it till the 26th. He's really looking at all options, whether they're um, a part of the favorite community or they're not, because he wants to make sure we're safe and we're not out there. You know, I have a little, I mean, I have a fear that in two weeks that we feel as though we're going to go back to normal. We're going to be out at the bars, hanging out with our friends and that and the government's open and everything looks that way. I mean, I understand where we are when it comes to business, but I also understand what we need to do to keep everyone safe. And you know what? I think to myself, we don't even have enough PPE for healthcare workers. How do we say to companies to keep your employees safe and make them sure they're wearing PPE or everyone else around um, testing? Look at testing. Yeah. We don't have enough for symptomatic people, let alone asymptomatic people. We do not have a vaccine. We do not have enough sites or enough, you know what I mean? I just feel as though there are so many unknowns that it's super scary to, to, for me to tell my grandmother, hey, it's, you're okay to go to the store now. Um, and, if you, right. and if you look right. globally, you see the upticks that, you know, maybe the viruses were down and people were getting better. They started to lift, lift the bin and started lift, lifting different things. And now look, they're back in the same spot. Mm-hmm. So I think that that's my fear. Yeah, I mean, I, I tend to agree. I think I think we're looking at somewhat of the new normal for at least the foreseeable future. And yeah. it's probably going to change the way, at least over the next two to three months, the way we interact socially, even once restrictions are eased. Um, I kind of highly doubt that by the end of this month, it's going to be completely eased in the state of Colorado and everything's just going to go back to the way it was in February. Yeah. Um, I... I I think that's against a lot of health experts' warnings, and I think it's kind of really? against just common sense in terms of how, you know, pandemic research shows you have spikes and waves where it goes up and down as you continue to get away from that initial outbreak of it. Um, and so we're still very much in that first outbreak stage <laughs> and looking yeah. at this could be a, a, a long-term normal. You know, some some of the people at the WHO and even leaks out of the CDC have said, you know, this could be the new normal until 2021 or 2022 even. It's um, insane. In some cases, if, if you know, yeah, paid fast enough. And I mean, you've seen the, the Harvard, Harvard had just conducted a study. I think they released it today or yesterday. And they said, you know, 2022, people should be social distancing. So, um, yeah, I think there's an element of fear. But my, my other fear is that individuals will see the ease and start to rush out and create the normal that they had in February and before to really make up for lost time. And, you know, it just to come back in a, in a stronger wave or, and the inability to be able to plan for it. Um, I don't think we necessarily thought it was going to come this strong this fast, but we are here. Yeah. And that of course is like, unless if they find a vaccine, it's a, 
easily obtainable totally. vaccine, then, you know, could, could change anything. And I just want to say, you know, come on, the WHO, we're, you know, why are we even, why are we even now uh, having the WHO? We should defund them. <laughs> yeah. Fair. Right. I'm Man, also, baby, and president telling yeah. us, hey, they told me I didn't do a good job. I should probably cut their funding, right? And yeah, pandemic, totally. That's usually what works. <laughs> And yeah. sports, and you know, sports are. We need to get sports back. That's the important one. Very yeah. Um, oh, oh, oh man, we get back on the pod later this week, man. I can't wait to talk about Vince McMahon in the White House. I know that's. <laughs> would love to be a fly on that wall. Um, talking about the evening <laughs> of the restrictions, though, uh, you know, there's this interesting thing, and I guess also the lack of federal leadership. Um, there is this interesting thing happening where certain states are kind of uh, banding together, um, especially yeah. ones that have a lot of tra- inter- interstate travel and things like that. And so, you know, California, Oregon, and Washington is is one of those, and they have released some. They're not saying when this would ever be lifted, but that when it's lifted, it will be a process. Like, so kind of starting to get people ready for it to be a longer term process. Has there been any talk of that in the mayor's office or I guess, and, or, I mean, I know it's the mayor, not the governor, but is there any talk about some Western states making that kind of pact? Yeah, no, totally. I know the mayor uh, has been great through this entire time and really, I think, puts the people first. And he has said, you know, by the extension, even a few days and saying, I'm not going back, we're still going to hold it to the 30th. And Denver really, really shows his leadership in saying that, you know, we're not ready. I don't until I see data and opportunity and a vaccine and all of these things, we're not just going to put people at risk. Um, We understand the needs for businesses, though. You know, we understand that small businesses are hurting. People are hurting. Um, Employment is through the roof that we really want to provide opportunity. And the ease is going to be slow. And he he has stated this now. And he has called on the governor to really work with our our municipalities to develop a plan that says, as a region, we're going to enter into something together. It doesn't make much sense if Denver has such strict... Um, policies and procedures when you have, say, North Glen, who does not, when you can go to North Glen and go to the bar, but in Denver, you're unable. So it's making sure that regionally, this is a solution to say that we're going to come to an agreement together and and we're going to move together in a very pragmatic way. Yeah, I think think that's important. And I I think uh, Mayor Hancock has done a really good job. Yeah, I appreciate that. Yeah. You know, his response time, um, and I will say, I, I'll, I'll tip my hat, too, with how quickly uh, he uh, put liquor stores back as essential businesses. <laughs> <laughs> you know, yeah. You know, that's that the type of fast leadership thing. you need. Uh, <laughs> there was a fear. <laughs> oh, yeah. man, those lines outside of, like, Argonaut downtown were insane within an hour. You couldn't believe it. I... Yes. I mean, I made the joke that at least liquor stores had a bump in sales uh, with the opportunity for everyone to rush and say, I need as much as I can right now if they're going to close me down for weeks. Um, but yeah, it's it's been a funny thing about it. I survived the prohibition in, in Denver, Colorado. <laughs> yeah. I know. It's a great way where we can, we're like, oh, we can support local businesses here. Cause most of the, you know, we live close to Sonoma and Napa and most of those places are doing oh, $1 yeah. shipping right now. Cause they're like, well, we can't do tastings. That's so huge revenue. Insane. Yeah. Uh-huh. So we're like, Lucky. Right, get wine, support local businesses. Lucky. <laughs> yeah. I would too. Win-win. That's a win-win. I yeah. like it. Well, uh, Jordan, another thing that we kind of, uh, like to talk about with our guests as as we're kind of getting close to the end of our time uh, is just how they're dealing personally with 
the transition in the crisis. And I mean, it sounds like you've, you've been you've been working a lot and you've been yeah. uh, volunteering when you can and helping out, you know, homeless people. You've been helping out families. You've been on kind of the front line. Um, but do you have any uh, tips for our listeners of what they can be doing while they're self-isolating, while they're self-quarantining to help keep their sanity moving <laughs> during yeah. these trying yeah. times? Totally. I mean, I think the opportunity to be able to connect virtually, I know it's it's very different than when we were before, but the option to be able to speak to my grandmother on FaceTime every day or multiple times a day, I think has saved me because I'm so used to seeing her being with her that the, for me to visibly see her and to know that she's okay is has been great. Also, I deliver care packages to my family or friends, leave it on the porch, support local business, buy different things, send it over just as a sign of one supporting local business, but also saying, you know, I miss you and I hope that you're well. And this is something we enjoy together. Um, lastly, I run, but with the weather so in flux, I am one of those babies that I don't run in the cold. So I pray for good weather and I go out there and get a few miles in and it, and, but I'm very cognizant of the trails and making sure that I'm not running with a lot of people or being one of those that are kind of staying out. I get the miles in and I come back in the house, but I'm going to be remiss not to mention that I miss the gym or the opportunity to be able to be, um, to physically exert yourself in that way that you're unable. And I try not yeah. to eat as much, even though I find myself going to the kitchen or the fridge very frequently. Um, I think I think yeah, we're all that I way. Not, I mean, I think like yeah, board eating is spiked with yeah. everyone. <laughs> yes, I told myself it wasn't the freshman fifteen; it's going to be the COVID twenty. I just fear like gaining so much weight by, you know, because I stress eat too. I'm like, oh, I'm never going to get out of the house. Eat, 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 or wine. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Yeah. Know. The, the there was it's only one website but there's like wine.com or something in in the bay area it uh price sales have gone up 400 <laughs> percent i'm sure i mean everyone is just dying like wait might as well drink at noon it's fine yeah i've definitely part of, <laughs> yeah. part of that but we're having a weird thing in my house where my wife and i keep losing weight and we're like is this just like are we just stress burning calories right now like because we're not we're not eating that healthily but like we just keep losing weight and we're like all right i'll take that Take it because everyone else is gaining, meaning me. Yeah. yeah. And me too, me too, probably. Lot lot less lot less cardio on my end. Uh yeah, sure. totally. Uh, I, yeah, that's funny. But but I think I think you're right to point out that, you know, you should take the exercise where you can get it. We're obviously not yeah. in the business of preaching health to people, you know, but try to take care of yourself the best you can. And you know, yeah. it's gonna be very tough once, you know. If this is still happening, which it likely will be, uh, when mid-May comes around and the really nice what? weather hits Denver and every day is like 75 or 80 and sunny and it's like, yeah. ugh, everybody's going to want to be hiking and biking and- A new normal, you know. Starting their camping trips, all that stuff. So, you know, just we got to, there's going to be, con- you know, cognizant of it. No, totally. And keeping them away. Yeah, it's very true. And I think, you know, we looked at Easter here uh, in Colorado. It was snowing and I- in a lot of ways, I thank God for that because it didn't make me feel like I missed the holiday or I needed to be out with my family in a backyard having a barbecue. So, yeah, but I worry about the the incredible weather we're going to start getting. Yes, definitely. And yeah. Grab people out. Well, totally. I know. I've been wondering that myself. I'm like, yeah, but isn't isn't the whole idea of camping social distancing? I'm like, <laughs> like I get why we're not yeah. doing it, but also, <laughs> wait a second. <laughs> totally. I'm not... I'm, it's another pod. We can get into the discussion of people overrunning camping areas in Colorado and how crazy it's been the last five years. But that's that can be another podcast yeah. of its own. 
Um, yeah. Hell yeah, pinions. Yeah. I mean, it's got to be crazy in California, too, the camping areas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, but, you know, Jordan, I think that pretty much wraps up the time that we were looking awesome. at. Um, do you have anything else you want to say to our listeners or want to talk about while you're here? Yeah, no, thank you for doing the work that you're doing and for really allowing people to share their voices and ways to get more involved. It's always really great and refreshing to hear that. And here are different perspectives of what people are going through and how you can plug in or meet virtually. Awesome. Yeah, thanks so much, Jordan. Really appreciate you being on. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, you're doing such great work. Civil servants, I honor you so much, especially in these times. Thank you so much. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we, we yeah. applaud you for sure. It's not lost on us. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Thank you, guys. Appreciate it. Yeah, Thank you. Thanks. And and listeners, thanks for uh, tuning in for another Apocalypse episode. We'll be back with another interviewee to give you some new perspectives and some new conversations. Uh, like us, rate our episodes, leave us comments. Yeah, we like If you like, like people, if you like questions that you'd like to hear us ask, let us know. Yeah. All right. Thank you all for being with us, and we'll see you next time. Godspeed, Godspeed everyone. <laughs>